Hey y'all, it's Io here and welcome to episode four of The Nook. And thank you so much for joining me today. As always, I'm here to help you by answering your questions on teaching students with severe and profound disabilities and low incidence disabilities, including autism. Today we have a question from Russell, but before we get to it, I want to let you know that you can have your questions answered right here on the podcast by submitting them on The Nook. You can do that by going to www.noodlenook.net slash podcast. And if your question is chosen, you'll get a free resource from the Noodle Nook store where you can choose from tons of products perfect for your classroom, like the three different DIY dollar store vocational task box that are some of the best sellers in our store. But with over 150 products and so many choices, you'll definitely find something that'll work for you and your students. So head over to www.noodlenook.net slash podcast to submit your question today. All right, here's today's question from Russell. Russell asks, my school makes me write a behavior goal for kids with autism, even if they don't have any bad behaviors. It's stupid and a waste of time. Why do I have to write them? What's the point? Well, uh, Russell, there's a lot of schools that force teachers to write behavior goals as part of their autism supplements, no matter the severity of the student's autism. So let's talk about that for a second. I actually had a conversation with a teacher about this a few years ago. She had the same concerns. Why write a fake or nonsensical goal for a student with autism who presents as higher functioning? And I want to just talk about a couple of the reasons why you want to do that and probably why your school district is asking you to do that. So one of the reasons that your school might be asking you to complete a behavior plan for a student with autism, even though they're presenting as pretty high functioning, is because social skills are just so important. It's been proven over and over again that social skills deficits tend to be pretty prominent in students with autism, and also that they're one of the biggest hallmarks of employability and independent living later. And not just for self-contained students or special ed students. Really, I can think about a ton of gen ed kids who need social skills training in and of themselves. Those social skills really count. The number two reason why you're probably being asked to focus on social deficits for students with autism is because it's one of the top two reasons why our students are deemed unemployable. It's usually due to a lack of poor social skills and a lack of poor hygiene. So if we can improve on social skills, it really makes our students more employable in the long run, which will drastically increase their ability to live independently. The third reason, which I kind of mentioned already, is that our students, no matter where they're placed, in gen ed, in inclusion, in self-contained, in a life skills classroom, in a vocational training room, they almost always have some behavior deficits. Like I said, even my gen ed kids, they have behavior deficits. So there's always a skill set that can be improved upon. Number four is that sometimes without a BIP, behavior issues go overlooked. So if we don't ripe that BIP and really address some social skills deficits for our students who present as high functioning, we're doing them a disservice in the long run. So your campus is probably asking you to include that just to make sure that we're addressing behavior issues consistently and taking good data. And number five, the reason that I think you're probably asked to include it is because we as self-contained teachers tend to go nose blind. I don't know if that makes any sense to any of you, but Sometimes you're in a self-contained classroom so long that you start to lose your ability to realistically see if your students are presenting as high-functioning, low-functioning, how they compare to their general ed peers, or in this case, if they have what would be deemed as normal social skills. Sometimes we start to overestimate our students' skills because the norm for our classroom is so much lower than in a general ed environment. So I hope you realize that a behavior goal is probably an important piece to add for your student. And although it might feel like a waste of time, it's probably what's in the best interest for the student in the long run. So I want to thank you a ton, Russell, for writing in your question. I'm going to send you out a free classroom material from the Noodle Nook store so that you can get things going in your room. 
And I'm guessing one of the things that would help you a lot would be to pop over to the post on IEP goal banks and use that as you complete your paperwork for your student. For the rest of y'all listening, if you'd like to have your question answered right here on the Nook, head over to noodlenook.net and click on the podcast button to submit your question. There are literally so many things to know when it comes to being a great teacher as you work with students with low incident disabilities and severe disabilities. We need all the great teachers we can get, so stay strong and teach on, y'all. Thanks for listening to The Nook, and don't miss the next episode by subscribing now at noodlenook.net slash podcast. Talk to you soon.